With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah. Oh. Sorry, we were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. On Metro News, the voice of West Virginia, this is West Virginia Outdoors with Chris Lawrence. You'll have big fish, well, you'll have several big fish to run pretty close to 10 pounds. This vehicle's actually been rolled over more than once. I'll try not to add to that legacy today, if you don't mind. Most of your blood trail dogs, for the most part, they're dash hounds, wiener dogs. Some people use labs, some people use pit bulls, but for the most part, on leash is a wiener dog. West Virginia's only outdoor radio show, proudly presented by the Hatfield McCoy Trails, with over 600 miles of ATV trails located in the rich mountains of southern West Virginia. And now, here's West Virginia's voice of the outdoors, Chris Lawrence. Here he is. Welcome into another great Saturday morning in the West Virginia outdoors, the hunting and fishing show for West Virginia. Proud to hold that mantle and glad to have you as part of this audience. If you listen every week or if you're just finding us for the first time, Always glad to have you in the audience and listening in. This weekend, I decided I got I got to burn some vacation or I'm going to lose it. You know what they say? <laughs> There's certain times you can take it, and I've got to get this one taken. So I have been off this week. For those of you who listen in on the, uh, on the morning news have noticed I've not been here, and uh, today is no exception. So today's show is going to be a rerun from a show we did a few weeks ago, and I picked this one because we had a lot of stuff in that show. Coming up, we're going to relive the... Uh, those interviews uh one will be in just a moment dominic rainary with the uh, jaeger airport we talked about transporting your firearms if you're going somewhere on a hunt and you need to take your rifle or pistol along how to properly declare those and secure them also there was uh, a discussion with steve Rao with uh he's the district one uh wildlife biologist up in uh in Farmington, we talked about uh, some ehd issues that have been going on and this was the same show that jc gerald had set those two world shooting records from the uh, from the White Horse shooting uh, uh, facility there in Upshur County. So I talked to JC, CJ Hamilton, with U.S. Army Corps of Engineers, had joined me uh, talking about the drawdown, particularly on Summersville Lake, but all the other lakes. And of course, that's advancing now as we're on into uh, into the fall. And it was also the uh, weekend that we talked rattlesnakes with Frank Jernasek. Now I know that the weather has changed considerably, so some of these are going to be untimely, but. Uh, you know, I mean, I still thought they were good interviews and they were interesting, so I thought I would uh, bring them to you again. So we can, uh, if you, in case you missed it that weekend, you can uh, you can catch this one. So a best of West Virginia outdoors this morning, and uh, we'll relive uh, all of it here in just a moment. I want to remind you, too, of course, this is the uh, first of the split antlerless hunting seasons in West Virginia, so I'm hoping that uh, even as you're listening to this, that's where I am, and a stand somewhere trying to fill the freezer 
for the uh, for the coming winter. So good luck to all of you if you're out there doing that. And also, of course, bow season continues. And if you happen to get a nice buck, if you killed a, a nice turkey, if you're fall turkey hunting, you got one, that'd be cool. You got a big fish. Anything you've got, don't forget to submit it to the uh, – Ram Trophy Photo Contest. It's going on. It's on the outdoors page at wbmafternews.com. We're getting a few of those in every day and posting them as they come in. And, of course, every month between now and February, we're going to have a computer random draw of all those who have submitted pictures, and you'll win a cool prize from the folks at Ram Trucks and also from Metro News. So it's pretty simple to do. You go to the outdoors page of wbmafternews.com, click on the Ram Trophy Photo Contest, and it's got all the information there on how to upload it, the rules for the contest, just check it out, and we'd love to see what you got. All right, it's the best of West Virginia outdoors, and we'll get things started with my conversation with Dominic Raineri of Jaeger Airport. Good morning, Dominic. Good morning, Chris. How are you? I am doing well. I, like I said, there are a lot of people, when they want to go on some of these far-flung destinations for the hunt of a lifetime, want to take their rifle or or uh, an ammunition along with them, and you, you wonder how that can be done in an airplane, but it is possible. It is possible. So I'm here to tell your listeners, not only can we get them to that destination with our five times a day service to Charlotte, Atlanta, and now four times a day to Chicago O'Hare, and once a day to Philadelphia and Washington, D.C., but you can bring that firearm and not get in trouble. Uh, There's just the right way to do it. They have to be checked baggage and properly declared with your airline, unloaded, packed in a hard-sided case, locked, and packed separately from the ammunition. Um, Now, of course, the laws vary from state to state, but here in West Virginia, it is possible. Um, And your rifle scopes are actually permitted in your carry-on luggage or checked baggage. But in no way are you allowed to to keep the the firearm or the ammunition in your carry-on, right? Correct. Do not show up to that TSA checkpoint with your firearm. Make sure you give them to your airline representative before you get to that point. And and another note here, if you if you got your your backpack you're using as a carry-on that maybe you take with you when you go on adventures, check it thoroughly. I had a friend who had a shell mistakenly left way down in the bottom of it and he got busted on that. You can't do that. Yes, make sure you check that carry-on, make sure there's nothing in there related to your hunting trip and your firearm, and you'll be good to go. What about uh, what about the security of those firearms? Because, you know, people have a lot of money tied up in their rifles, their hunting rifles. Uh, how can we be assured that when uh, when we get to the place we're going that the rifle's going to be in, in good shape or that it's even going to arrive? So there are specially um, designed cases for your firearms that are hard-sided and lockable. And now everything that you check with your airline usually travels right with you on that airplane. Um, So you can track it usually right on the airline app, especially Delta and American, and see exactly where it's going. You get tracking information um, right from the airline the second you check the the bag. Dominic, great information. Just, I guess people need to get a hold of their airline if they're wanting to take a gun with them and uh, find out the rules and uh, and get it and get it stowed properly. Thanks for your time this morning. Of course, all the information I mentioned today is available on our website, JaegerAirport.com. Thanks a lot, Dominic. Dominic 
Rainieri there with Jaeger Airport, and we want to thank Jaeger Airport and the West Virginia Tourism Office at WVTourism.com for their sponsorship here of West Virginia Outdoors. Well, like I said a moment ago, a lot of you have contacted me with concerns, rightly so, about EHD, which continues to show up. A few weeks ago, we talked about it on the show, happening down in the southeastern quadrant of the state. Now it's showing up in north-central West Virginia. Steve Rao is the DNR biologist up there. I spoke to him about that this week. There has been a lot of concern about EHD. We had uh, Gary Foster on West Virginia Outdoors a few weeks ago talking about the first outbreaks that were down, I think, in Summers and Monroe and Greenbrier County, but we're starting to see it in some other parts of the state now, particularly up in your area, aren't we? Yes, yes. We have confirmed it in uh, Harrison County um, with a with a sample we submitted, and we are, we are getting calls from uh, Taylor, Monongalia, and... and uh, a few from Marion and Preston County starting to get some calls. We have not, we have not pulled a sample from any of the. Well, I take that back. We did pull a sample from a, a deer from Monongalia County and getting ready to submit it um, for testing. Um, but we have confirmed it in Harrison County and getting quite a few calls from the, um, you know, the Bridge Bridgeport, um, Clarksburg, Nutter. Nutter Ford area. Um, what what should people? What do you want to relay to people about this? Uh, it is there is no there's no human health concern with this. The deer, you know, when the season comes in, the deer will be um, will be fine to eat. Uh, it usually what people are seeing they call in and you know and and they will say, well, the, the deer looks perfectly healthy. Um, you know kind of what it, why did it die and that the deer that will die from this disease um it it will kill them very quickly so they do look like they're in good health uh and what what happens in the the, the disease is spread by what's called a biting midge or it's a little fly uh, and in the northern u.s the the deer do not see it uh it's only periodically that that there's infections so the deer do not build up an antibody like they do down in the southern u.s where they will see it every year so we get a we get a increased mortality in the north when there are outbreaks and it's very alarming because it's not uncommon to see 10 15 20 dead deer within you know 25 yards of each other correct correct you which is frightening yes yes and and one thing it's you know um a lot of times it's it, well it's it is very localized you might have it in one hollow and the next ridge next hollow over there isn't anything because part of it is the the midge is not very mobile um but overall mortality rates are are typically low even where there is infection so you know 15 to 20 percent is uh kind of as maximum that we have seen before so um it's not like it's going to wipe out the wipe out the herd and uh and it's gone after the first frost isn't it correct correct it it all hinges on the midge and frost will kill the will kill the insects that are out there the midges and that will that will end it steve rao there with the west virginia division of natural resources so it it is alarming to see the results of EHD, but keep in mind it's uh, it's not going to wipe out the herd and it's going to be gone first frost. All right, we got to take our first break. When we come back, 
a record shooter twice over in two weekends. We'll hear from him coming up after this. At RBC Wealth Management, they work with you to plan for your financial future with their unique Wealth Plan analysis. Wealth Plan helps you prioritize goals, identify ways to maximize your resources, and determine the best way to achieve those goals for a comfortable retirement. No matter where you are on your financial path, let RBC help you bring your goals to life. Go to us.rbcwealthmanagement.com slash Charleston for your complimentary consultation. RBC Wealth Management, a division of RBC Capital Markets, member NYSE, the leaves are falling and the Hatfield-McCoy trails are calling, calling you to get out and get on the Hatfield-McCoy trail system. West Virginia annual resident permits are only $26.50, so don't wait. Go online today to trailsheaven.com or see a Hatfield-McCoy trails retailer and head for the hills. And don't forget, HMT's Bearwalla off-road park for Jeeps, Hummers, and full-size off-road vehicles. Hatfield-McCoy trails, your ticket to ATV paradise. This is West Virginia Outdoors, presented by the Hatfield-McCoy Trail System on Metro News, the voice of West Virginia. The Peyton Law Firm, Tom and Harvey, remind you that hunting is a good way to cement father-son relationships. And fathers should always remind sons of all the safety rules. Point the gun away from people. Hunt with a partner. Wear blaze orange. However, hunting accidents do happen, as they do every day on the highway. If a careless driver breaks the rules and hits you, call Tom and Harvey. They'll hunt down the offender and get just compensation for you. Peyton Law Firm, online at PeytonLawFirm.com. Walker Chrysler Dodge Jeep Ram and Hurricane has quickly become the number one selling car and truck dealer in West Virginia. Many dealerships have made that claim, but there can be only one number one, and that one is in Hurricane. The Walker method is so straightforward it may shock you. Friendly service, honest and fair deals, and a huge selection of inventory. Walker's lot is packed with over 300 new Chryslers, Dodges, Jeeps, and Rams in stock, and there are more arriving daily. So now is a great time to upgrade your old ride. Need a new truck? Walker can handle that with the ultra-tough Ram with a Cummins diesel. And if a Jeep is more your style, there's a huge selection of Cherokee, Latitude, Compass, Wrangler, and more. If you're looking for a deal, now's the time. Just make that short 20-minute drive from Charleston or Huntington to take advantage of great deals on all Chrysler, Dodge, Jeep, and Ram vehicles at Walker Chrysler Dodge Jeep Ram in Hurricane. Making friends one deal at a time. Hi, this is ABC Sherry Preston. If you want to catch up on the week's biggest news stories or just learn something new, check out Perspective from ABC News. We'll go in-depth on the stories you need to know about with our reporters around the globe. London. Paris. Seuss, Tunisia. Kathmandu. Nepal. Sydney. Jerusalem. ABC News. Brussels. You'll also hear interviews you won't find anywhere else. Again, that's Perspective from ABC News. Listen for it right here. Saturday mornings at 9 on The Voice of Charleston, 580 WCHS. West Virginia we are back Chris on Lawrence, West Virginia Saturday at 7 a.m. and Sunday at 5 p.m. with the Clinton Peyton Law Firm. We'll 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 talking about protecting your rights online. West Virginia Corps of Engineer Lakes that is coming on and already begun at Summersville. That's a story later in the show. But right now, J.C. Gerald is a shooter from Upshur County. He's uh, he's a familiar face around the White Horse Shooting Range and uh, Outdoor Education Center in uh, right at north of Buchanan there. And on two consecutive weekends back in August, he set two world shooting records. I had a chance to talk to him about those. JC, how long have you uh, have you been doing this long range competitive shooting? Well, it's been about twelve years now. I've been uh, I've, I've been doing this. Uh, it's not. Uh, 
uh, for a long time it wasn't on this level, but uh, yeah, I've been doing it quite a while. Talk a little bit about these two world records, and I, I, obviously records are are made to be broken. But until now, you'd never broken one, I don't guess. No, I haven't. And uh, uh, to tell you that I've done anything different than what I usually sit down at the bench and do is uh, I couldn't tell you that uh, because it's all about uh, it's all about uh, uh, a good setup on the bench with your equipment. And uh, other than that, it's good barrels and good bullets. If, I, if I'm not mistaken, you correct me if I'm wrong, you were at the White Horse Range, and you shot a 50 score with five X's at 1,000 yards. That's five shots all dead center on target, right? That's correct. And the group was 2.8 inches for five shots? That's also correct. That's pretty. That, that's incredible right there. But then the following weekend, at a national event at, uh, at the Harry Jones Range in Marion County, you shot a 100 score. That's... Six X's at a thousand yards, right? That's also correct, and that was shot in heavy gun. You shoot, uh, you shoot ten rounds in heavy gun, and only five in light gun. I got you. And of, of those six X's, the group was four point four inches. Is that right? That's correct. Wow. Have you ever done? I guess you've never done that well before, have you? I've shot. Uh, yeah, I've shot smaller groups than that, actually. Oh, you have. Okay. I have. Yes. As a matter of fact, at Harry Jones this year in a shoot-off for a match win, I shot a 1.600 in light gun. Wow. That's basically putting bullets right through the hole that you shot previously, isn't it? Uh, it's, it's close, yeah. <laughs> do, you, do you ever have an argument and you say, no, I actually shot that in the exact same spot and it just looks like you made one shot? Well, no. You can shoot them in one point six inches, five of them, and you can count every one of them. Yeah, I, yeah. I was, I was joking anyway. How do you even see something at that distance? I mean, th this thing's, a, you know, about the size. How how big is that center ring at a thousand yards? I mean, how big is that center ring? Well, the ten ring is six inches, and the X ring is three inches. Good gracious! How do you how do you even see that? <laughs> Uh, good glass and good eyes. <laughs> I know that I have even at a hundred yards with the with the rifle I use to deer hunt with, I still have trouble seeing it. You know, even at that distance, so I can't even imagine uh, the precision it must take to put it at a thousand yards. And you also have to work a lot with the wind on that too, don't you? Yes, you do. You, uh, of course, you use your cider shots. Uh, uh, to to read the wind, compensate for the wind, but uh, uh, yeah. But once you go into record fire, you're you're not uh, you're not necessarily trying to read the wind. Then you're you're trying to get them down there. You know. Do you? I I guess do you just set your scope right on the the dead center and 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 squeeze the trigger like most of us, or is there some compensation as to how and where you aim on that target? Well, people do it different, but. But no, I uh, I want a top dead center hold. Uh, any any time that I'm not top dead center, I I, I kind of tell myself what you're guessing now. So no, I want a top dead center hold. Do you adjust after you've made your first shot? Like you said, you get a cider shot. But even after you're starting to shoot for record, after you've shot one, I mean, do you base your next shot on that where that one hit? 
Or is no, that again? Yes. Yeah. Where that one hit? Oh, you can't. Okay. Uh, we're shooting six millimeter diameter bullets, and uh, uh, they're kind of hard to see at a thousand yards. That's what I was going to say. Yeah. <laughs> well, I and and I guess you probably didn't realize how well you had done on these until you got down there and took a look at it, did you? Well, your targets come back and they're scored, and the winners go on the board and. Uh, uh, no, I didn't have a clue. I'd done this, uh, either one of these. <laughs> wow. Wow. So it, it, that has to make you feel good and feel like you've made you some, some major accomplishment there. Oh, it definitely makes me feel good. And I'm, I'm, uh, I'm so proud of these targets. But, uh, uh, like I told you, to tell you I'd done anything different, I couldn't do that, uh, you think anybody will break that record, either one of those? Well, certainly. <laughs> Records are made to be broken, and if I can do it, somebody else down the road will do it better. You mentioned the fact that you need good equipment, good ammunition, good barrels, good glass. What What's the setup that you use in those two disciplines, the heavy gun and the light gun? Well, she's a 6-millimeter uh, dasher. Uh, in uh, in light gun, it's got a fifteen fifty five night four scope on it, and my heavy gun, I shoot a six BRA. It's also got a fifteen fifty five night four scope on it. Uh, <coughs> and your your ammunition, I'm I'm assuming that that you hand load that, right? Yeah, you've got to make your own. Uh, there's no commercial uh, ammo for it. For neither one of my guns. What's what's the trick to loading those? I mean, what is there is there any sign any magic to the to it that, that that you prefer as far as the size of the load or the the charge? Well, I think the magic to loading uh, any of these venturous rounds is experience and knowing what you need to do. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's uh, and and it took me a long time too. Uh, uh, I've loaded ammo for 40 years, but uh, I haven't loaded bench rest quality ammo that long. What's the difference? There's a whole lot of difference. Uh, uh, you loading uh, ammo to hunt with, there, uh, you don't need to consider uh, probably 25 different important items that, that this bench rest ammo, uh, it's, it's got to be uh, stuff like... Uh, uh, neck tension on the bullet, mm-hmm. uh, the sitting depth of the bullet, uh, the powder charge down to uh, uh, a half of a tenth a grain of powder makes a difference. All of that can make a difference between a, a ten-ring shot and a six-ring shot, I guess. Well, no, they would all go in the... Uh, you could put them in the 10 ring, but your group may be uh, 10 inches or 12 inches, so you haven't done anything, see? Mm-hmm. Uh, it, it's all about trying to get them there in as tight a group as you can. And as far as shooting a 50 score, uh, you got to be lined up on the target perfect, uh, and, and you got to be able to get five shots there before the wind changes any at all. So, so there's no sitting around. Once you start, you got to get going. You can't just sit back and wait. Once you get into your record fire, uh, you want them down there as soon as you can get them there. You 
we've got 10 minutes to fire 10 rounds or five rounds. But uh, uh, usually everybody's got them down there in less than a minute. Well, yeah, because like you said, especially around here, that wind shifts a lot. And and these two weekends that you shot these records, from what I understand, the wind was crazy both those days. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> there was some wind, uh, and uh, you know, I can't uh, I can't explain that. It just uh, it just happened for me. And I was telling you about a 1.60 inch group I shot at Harry Jones in a shoot off earlier in the season. Uh, it was windy that day, and the, the guys I was shooting off against for the match win, uh, uh, they couldn't believe it. Look at my group. Uh, some of them were seven, some of them were nine inches, and mine was a 1.6. <laughs> well, that gives you bragging rights anyway. Well. <laughs> Yeah, but in this game, you learn not to brag because somebody's gonna bust your bubble out there somewhere, you know. That'll happen. It certainly will in in, in any uh, in in any kind of shooting. That's for sure. Well, JC, it's good to talk to you again, buddy, and congratulations. I guess you guys have got a an event today up there at uh, at Whitehorse in uh, Upshur County, right? We got a six hundred yard uh, match, and uh, the following Saturday we shoot from one thousand uh, bench rest. Well, it's good to talk to you, and congratulations, and I'm sure we'll be back in touch because i got a feeling that you're going to break these records and probably many more. Well, I appreciate that, and uh, but I, the one thing about it, whether I do or not, I'm going to be out there trying. That's That sounds like a winner. J.C., good talking to you, man. Hey, thank you. There he is, J.C. Gerald, who set those two records back in August on back-to-back weekends. we got to take a break. When we come back, C.J. Hamilton of the Corps of Engineers will join us in just a moment. There are some who'd like for us to imagine a world without coal-based electricity. Okay, then, let's see what that would look like. Without coal-based power plants, we wouldn't have reliable electricity. Electricity prices would rise, local communities would lose jobs, and our national economy would suffer. So, yes, we can imagine a world without coal, and it's a pretty scary place to be. Fact is, we need coal-based electricity for reliable power, for affordable energy, for strong jobs that contribute to a stronger U.S. economy, for global competitiveness. That's why coal-based electricity is such an important part of our energy solutions, now and for many years to come. Beneath the mountains, the air is cool, but that's not what is chilling your soul. There is nowhere to run, nowhere to hide. No one can hear you scream. Experience true terror during the Seneca Caverns Halloween Tours. There is no escaping the haunted cave and the cursed corn patch. Tickets are $17. The Seneca Caverns Halloween Tours every Saturday in October, 7 to 11 p.m. Riverton, West Virginia. More info at SenecaCaverns.com. You're listening to West Virginia Outdoors presented by the Hatfield-McCoy Trail System on Metro News, the voice of West Virginia. In most cases, when you go hunting, you'll have to travel some distance to get to your favorite spot. Now, we know you'll be careful, but what about the distracted driver who slams into you, causing injuries and damage? You deserve compensation. You need the Peyton Law Firm. You need Tom and Harvey. Their research and over 60 years of experience mean a head start toward a successful ending. The Peyton Law Firm. Tom and Harvey. 
online at PeytonLawFirm.com. Get the latest local news and weather, live high school sports, and your favorite talk shows like 580 Live and Ask the Expert right from your smartphone. With the 580 WCHS app. WCHS app. Go to Google Play or the App Store now and search for WCHS. Or check out WCHSnetwork.com and download the app today. Then you'll have the news and information you need to connect to our community. The WCHS app, now available. Now available. WCHSnetwork.com. Danny Jones on 580 Live. By the way, folks, good morning, and Richard Neely is with me. This is my announcement. I'm going to run for the West Virginia Supreme Court of Appeals in the May elections. The whole court system is a total and complete disaster. I mean, from beginning to end, it is a disaster. Danny Jones on 580 Live. Weekday mornings at 9 on The Voice of Charleston. 580 WCHS. It's the NFL on Sports USA. This week, it's the Philadelphia Eagles soaring into Buffalo to play some big Bills. The Bills have a monstrous D, and Allen and the offense will deliver plenty gore. The Eagles' Carson Wentz won't bring any brotherly love with him. He knows how to hit him where it hurts. Wentz gets the shotgun snap, throwing back left corner of the end zone, caught! Touchdown, Sackerts! It's the Eagles at the Bills, this Sunday on Sports USA. Sunday afternoon at 1 on 96.5, 104.5, and 580 W. WCHS. The Military Veterans Talk Show, Front Lines of Freedom, Sunday afternoons at 3 on 580 WCHS. About it. Right now, though, uh, you may have noticed, if you follow Metro News, that the uh, Golly River rafting season got underway, and that means that the water at Summersville Lake is going to start lowering. J.C. Gerald, or excuse me, J.C. Gerald's the guy we just talked to, C.J. Hamilton, is the area manager for the Corps of Engineers and joins us on the show. How are you, CJ? Doing fine, Chris. How are you? I'm fine. You have been you've been promoted since we last had you on this show, my man. You're moving up in the world. Yeah, I was the longtime lake manager out there at the dam, and uh, so I've got some area responsibilities now. And the the areas you were explaining this to me this to me this week. The areas within the Corps you base those uh, on on the watershed that that each dam is on, correct? That's correct. That's why uh, Stonewall Jackson's in the Pittsburgh district. The outflow goes north on the Mon, whereas Burnsville, just south of there, the Little Canal flows uh, into the Ohio and downstream. I see. We're, our districts are based on, on the watersheds. And you're out of the Huntington district. How many different areas does that have? Well, we've got four different areas. We've got 35 lakes and nine locks and uh, lots of other things that we do and you're specifically the ones in southern west virginia central west virginia that are flowing downstream into the canal i guess uh yeah along with rd bailey which just uh, flows straight into the ohio as well down there at huntington i got you so yeah this week we started the drawdown at summersville or you all started the drawdown at summersville lake that that has historically been something that is obviously a big deal because you work closely with the whitewater rafting industry on that talk about that relationship and how you determine now, uh, how how wide you open the faucet, and how how much you release at one time? Well, there's a lot of history there. In the beginning, we just uh, opened the water up and and drained the lake down. Uh, but the river industry petitioned the core and said, "Hey, if you manage this uh, better, uh, we could work together and provide for tourism." And uh, certainly, we have that as this wrapping is a huge economic driver at this time of the year for uh, West Virginia tourism. Uh, but 
there was uh, some original legislation, actually, that directed the Corps to release 2,400 cubic feet per second. And since then, we've upped it a little bit more to 2,800 cubic feet per second. Uh, we used to release around the clock, and, and now we do it around the five, four-day weekends and the other two-day weekends that are part of uh, rafting season as well. So it's really structured now to uh, get us where we need to be, which is lowering the lake level, but also providing this uh, these great water levels for whitewater rafting. 2,800 CFS, you've kind of determined that that's the sweet spot for the uh, for the best rafting downstream, the, for the best flow to help you guys get it all done in the time period allotted, and, and also to still make it safe downstream. I don't think you want to get too far above that. Absolutely. They're looking for the best ride that's also a safe ride. And actually that raise in the amount was not just for some extra thrill-seeking, but actually to avoid a couple of uh, – you know, smaller hazards just to make uh, make the flow smoother through some, a couple of areas on the river. The obviously Summersville Dam was built with the idea of flood control in mind. Every now and then, this time of year, we we just saw this Hurricane Dorian go up the east coast. Once in a while, one of those will track west, and we'll get a ton of rain out of it all at once. Can that cause you all to have to to adjust that schedule? Uh, that that out that outflow or or change the way that you do this. Have you ever had to do that and sort of call it audible, if you will? Many times. Yeah. Uh, in a year like this, where things are very stable, it's easy to set up a schedule and follow it. Uh, other times, whenever you have way too much rain, we'll have to turn around and release a lot of water at night and then cut it back actually for the rafting flow so it's not too dangerous. Mm-hmm. Other years we've had so little water that we've had to go to the Whitewater Advisory Council and work out with industry how we can uh, still meet the whitewater needs while not providing uh, full flows on every day. Ask them, you know, do you want to curtail on a, on a Friday or Monday or shorten a day or reduce the flow or something so we can still meet the water budget. And we've been able to do that, and that's, that's just a sign really of our great um, partnership that we have uh, with with the whitewater industry. Explain to folks that may not understand why you do the drawdown at this time of year going into the winter. Well, we do that at all of our reservoirs, and that is to create uh, flood storage capacity so that your lake is lower. And then when you have traditionally these high uh, water events, big rainfall events in the winter and the spring, you have the capacity to hold those without the water running through the spillway. Because once it runs through the spillway, it's it's uncontrolled. Uh, mm-hmm. As long as it's inside the reservoir, you can control it with how much you open your gates to let the water out. I got you. So, so w- when you basically you let go of what you have up there in a controlled fashion, so as not to cause problems downstream. But then, when you get all that snow melting up in the mountains and uh, and the spring rains that come, uh, you can hold on to it and not let everybody downstream get flooded out. Absolutely, yep, that's the whole concept. Yeah. What. Uh, what is the consideration given to guys who like to fish on the upper side of that dam that enjoy? I've got a lot of listeners that fish on the lake. Obviously, when water levels are dropping, that's not good for fishing. That causes them to turn off in a hurry. Are there any considerations made as you go into this period for folks who are using the lake as recreation? Uh, yes, we uh, we also, um, well, especially for the downstream, we build in a low-flows so that people can trout fish mm-hmm. below the dam, and that's actually uh, part of the whole uh, flow regime there in the fall. But, you know, we have a full season up here um, from, you know, year-round where you can use the boat ramps. And so you know, people are still fishing in the spring and the fall. Uh, a lot of people really prefer the fall. 
Um, it's it's a good time to walleye fish. It's a good time to smallmouth fish. As as the lake goes down, those crayfish are displaced and they're on the move. And a lot of guys are beating the banks and catching catching some great smallmouth up here in the fall. And you made a good point there. You all do have ramps that even at the winter pool, you can still get a boat in the water up at Summersville. And the only thing that stops us is the ice, Chris. Yeah, <laughs> that'll do it. That'll do it. Do it. And, and I know a couple of years, a few years ago, you had to take it even below that winter level because you were working on, you were doing some dam inspection, I think on the tube itself, weren't you? Yeah, we're working on the intake structure, and we normally drop the lake 77 feet. When we do that work, we drop it an additional 50 feet. Oh, boy. So you're talking about 127 feet. At that point in time, nine out of every 10 gallons of water is let out of that lake. So 90% of the water is out. So yeah. it really concentrates the, the fish off of them. <laughs> but we don't have any boat ramps open then because you've got nothing but silt down in, in that part of the reservoir. Right. Does that give you an opportunity to do some maintenance at other parts of the lake when you have to do that from time to time? Yeah, it's a great time for us to improve our boat ramps, which all the all of them are completely out of the water at that time. So if we have any repairs on that or other features of the lake, we'll, we'll get out and do that. Good deal. C.J. Hamilton, area manager for the uh, U.S. Army Corps of Engineers, talking about the drawdown at Summersville Lake. Has the drawdown begun at those other core lakes around the state? Uh, most of them not yet. So we're a little bit early at Summersville. We have a pretty big drawdown. So, you know, our start's... You know that first weekend after Labor Day. Does it? I guess it just varies from from project to project as to when you start that process and when and how fast it goes, right? Uh, yeah, that's right. It's a different level at, at different lakes and on their storage capacity and so on. Good deal, C.J. Hamilton. Appreciate your time this morning, my man. We'll stay in touch. All right, you take care. All right, C.J. Hamilton there with the Army Corps of Engineers, the area manager, as the golly season is underway and they're. Riding the rapids this morning downstream on the Golly River below Summersville. we got to take a break. When we come back, we'll talk to Frank Jernasek, see how he's been and how many rattlesnakes he's found in his backyard. Literally, we'll talk about it coming up after this. In West Virginia, wildlife is for everyone, and the West Virginia DNR works to keep it that way. Every year, West Virginia's Division of Natural Resources manages thousands of acres of public land and water, ensuring the future of our great natural resources in the Mountain State. Our state is a haven for all species of wildlife, game and non-game, and draws thousands each year to enjoy our rich outdoor heritage. When you buy a hunting or fishing license or take a stroll in our forest to view wildlife, you're enjoying what the DNR has made possible. The West Virginia DNR, working to ensure wildlife is for everyone. Show us what you got in the annual Ram Trophy Photo Contest. Send us a picture documenting your hunting and fishing success story. If you killed a nice buck or you got a trophy-sized fish, we'd love to see it and help you show it off to the world. At our website, wbmetronews.com. Now, size doesn't matter. If it's a trophy to you, it's a trophy to us. So go to the outdoors page of wbmetronews.com, click the Ram Trophy Room icon, and submit your pictures. We'll have four monthly prizes drawn randomly from all entrants. From Ram Trucks and Metro News, the voice of West Virginia. It's West Virginia Outdoors, presented by the Hatfield-McCoy Trails on Metro News, the voice of West Virginia. Come to St. Albans and explore fall outdoor events. From the cool to the creepy, the Haunted Trail at City Park's newly remodeled Nature Trail is Fridays and Saturdays at 7.30 this month. Be prepared to be spooked and well-fed after a fun hayride followed by a screening of the movie It. And there's a cemetery to relax in with chainsaws and electric chairs to keep you motivated. If you survive that, come to the Fall Y'all Chili and Wing Fest cook-off on October 26th at Old Main for food, music, vendors, and more. If it's happening outdoors, it's happening in St. Albans. Hashtag go to SAWV. When the Kanawha Valley needs to know, they tune to 580 
WCHS. We're going to find out that this was a sinister motive. I thought if it does it for him, it'll do it for me. Bankruptcy process is not fair to the workers. It's not fair to the retirees. We didn't lose that game because Austin Kendall, I'll tell you that. Award-winning coverage delivered around the clock from the area's only 24-hour newsroom. The Voice of Charleston is 96.5 FM, 580 AM, WCHS. Raise your space and science IQ every Sunday night with Planetary Radio on 580 WCHS. Planetary Radio visits with the scientists, astronauts, and space leaders with exciting perspectives on the exploration of our solar system and beyond. I'm Matt Kaplan. Join me, Bill Nye the Science Guy, and other Planetary Society colleagues as we travel the universe. That's Planetary Radio, Sunday nights at 9.30 on The Voice of Charleston, 580 WCHS and 96.5 FM. The annual Mountain Mission Christmas store is coming. Our elves have been very busy, and starting Thursday, November the 7th, we'll have three huge days of Yuletide savings just in time for the holidays. Trees, decorations, lights, ornaments, wreaths, and so much more. We're located at 1620 7th Avenue in Charleston, just off of Patrick Street. Open Thursday and Friday from 8 to 5, and Saturday from 8 till noon. Jumpstart your Christmas shopping at our Christmas sale. Mountain Mission, helping people, improving lives. West Virginia Outdoors brought to you locally by Rodney Loftus and Son I've done this show for many, many years, folks. demolition experts. Some of you may not have listened as long as I've been on the air, but I've been on the air a long time. And one of the long, longest-running guests that I'm always thrilled to have back on the show with us is my old bunny, retired DNR biologist, Frank Jernasek. Frank, good morning. Uh, good morning, Chris. Uh, you are ever the diplomat. <laughs> you know what? Most most guys, after they retire from the DNR, the last thing they want to hear from is Lawrence calling them on Saturday morning to roll them out and be on the radio. <laughs> so I, I really appreciate your willingness to continue to, uh, to, to do that for me. Thank you. You're quite welcome. I, I welcome the opportunity. Yeah, you, you are still... Even though you're retired, it's just like you just stopped doing it for the state and started doing it for yourself because it seemed like for for many years your vocation was your passion as well, and you're still out there fishing every day and and chasing snakes every day. Uh, I'm sure trying to. Yes, I'm very fortunate. Tell me a little bit about this. We had you on a few a couple of years ago, I think, talking about the work that you were doing volunteer voluntarily and also aiding the DNR and some of the uh, the studies they're trying to do of the of the timber rattler and since you live around Cheat Lake there you're pretty close to Cooper's Rock and you were in the process of basically researching how many rattlesnakes you could find in the Cooper's Rock area where are you with that uh yes when i retired i thought it would be interesting uh, to see how many snakes were up at Cooper's Rock since i kept track of them for 40 years and never heard of more than 4 or 5 or 6 a year so when I, uh, a year after I retired, I said, well, I'll put up some signs and I'll start looking around and uh, talk to people that live around the whole uh, perimeter of the area. And I thought, well, maybe if I pick up uh, here about 15 or 20 snakes, that would be pretty impressive. But I heard about over 150 encounters uh, that first year. So it was like, wow, that's amazing. Uh, we started marking the snakes. So for three years, 2016, 17, and 18, uh, we would go out and uh, collect the snake or ca- capture the snakes uh, in power lines or relocate them from the campground, things like that. And we would mark the rattles, uh, paint the rattles a different color every year. So if we get recaptures, we can tell when we've got a recapture. And I put a, uh, all the data on a map so I can see some 
uh, locations and where they might move to or from or whatever. And so uh, doing all of that for the three years, uh, we ended up with, uh, oh, five, um, yeah, probably uh, five, over 500 snakes. Wow. Encountered in three years. How many, reca- so was- How many recaptures did you have in that time? Uh, I had, uh, for the three years, I had uh, 14 recaptures, and uh, those were recaptures uh, from two years previously from when we marked them. So that was pretty neat that we're still seeing that the rattles, you could still see the paint on the rattles. Uh, so it was just, uh, you know, just amazing, and probably the bottom line is that uh, the snakes are uh, everywhere up there. Uh, we relocate them, as I indicated, from the campgrounds, but I keep track of where they are encountered on the trails and things like that so that those are the high-use areas. And what's really neat is that the public thinks it is really uh, a great opportunity to, to see a rattlesnake. Uh, I've probably talked to well over 150 or 200 people when they, they call when they're standing next to a rattlesnake up there. And they'll say, wow, you know, we'll buy one. They send me the pictures. And it's all very, very positive. I've never had a negative reaction. That's amazing because you are, you, you are the disciple preaching the gospel of, uh, uh, of trying to teach people the importance of snakes in the ecosystem. So it sounds like your message is getting out there. Yes. And, of course, you know, the initial thought was that uh, we have to protect the areas where these snakes, uh, the den areas. Uh, mm-hmm. over, I prefer to use the word overwinter, uh, because when you talk about the den area, uh, what comes to mind is the old cowboy movies where you'll see yeah. the guy stumble on a cave with a hundred snakes all around him, that kind of thing. Uh, that's everybody's idea of a den area, but I don't think that is the case up here. I think there are lots of areas where the snakes can uh, get down below the frost line, the rocks or such that uh, there's enough crevices and things, so they're all over the place. They don't have to have a real uh, specific area. Um, they can be in a number of areas. Have you put radio transmitters on any of them? Um, DNR, and uh, in conjunction with Marshall University, has a student now working up there for 2019, uh, also working at the Kanawha State Forest, where they are putting radios on the snakes, uh, they've put, uh, I think, up here at Cooper's Rock, we've got radios on 30 snakes. So, uh, and uh, the biologist uh, tracks them uh, every day and uh, puts it into a computer, and then that'll be analyzed this winter to determine the home range of the snakes and how far they actually move. Uh, we've got some information from the snakes that we marked with uh, the paint, uh, that uh, they'll move uh, half a mile sometimes, sometimes a mile, mm-hmm. which fits in with some of the uh, research done around the country. So this is how long has this been going on? It's probably not been going on long enough that you can really derive anything from it yet. Uh, not from the, the information that uh, uh, is being done with the radios yet. I got gotcha. you. Uh, just started this year. Yeah. So, uh, the, we're at the point right now, what we're doing uh, – is looking for the uh, young snakes, which we started finding about the third week of August. So uh, those are the neonates, and uh, their location would give us some idea of where they are in proximity to a den if we assume that they're 
perhaps within a quarter mile or even a couple hundred yards of a den area, uh, that gives us an idea of where also to look. Neonates being the young of the year, I'm assuming. Yes, yeah, the born start probably start in August up here. I got you. Uh, hang on, Frank. I want to. Uh, I, I got one or two more questions for you, but I got to take our final break. Frank Jernasek, our guest. We're talking about rattlesnakes and the study happening at uh, Cooper's Rock State Forest. We'll be back in a moment after this. The best hunting dogs are a lot like the best hunting trucks: loyal, dependable, and smart, like the 2019 Ram 2500. With smart features like an available 12-inch Uconnect touchscreen with built-in navigation, the envy of all truck touchscreens. And with its available Rambox storage, you can lock, store, and load tons of gear in the side rails of your truck bed. And just like your best hunting dog, the powerful Ram 2500 will forge through tough conditions and challenging terrain. See your local Ram dealer for great deals today. I'm Chris Lawrence with a hunting safety reminder from Ram Trucks. There's no excuse for errant shooting. Always remember, before you pull the trigger, be able to clearly identify your target and what's beyond it. If you can't clearly see your target, don't take the shot. When you're traveling in a vehicle, unload and case your firearms. If you're crossing a fence, unload and hand it across the fence to somebody. And if you're alone, put it on the ground and slide it under. And as always, be aware of that muzzle and keep it pointed in a safe direction. This hunting safety reminder from Ram Trucks. Beneath the mountains, the air is cool, but that's not what is chilling your soul. There is nowhere to run, nowhere to hide. No one can hear you scream. Experience true terror during the Seneca Caverns Halloween Tours. There is no escaping the haunted cave and the cursed corn patch. Tickets are $17. The Seneca Caverns Halloween Tours every Saturday in October, 7 to 11 p.m., Riverton, West Virginia. More info at SenecaCaverns.com. You're listening to West Virginia Outdoors presented by the Hatfield-McCoy Trails on Metro News, the voice of West Virginia. What's the easy way to combine the sport of hunting and a law firm? In the same commercial, the law firm is the Peyton Law Firm, Tom and Harvey. The hunting means driving to Boone County or Clay, Jackson, Lincoln, or Fayette County. Driving means that a not paying attention driver could crash into you. And that means getting Tom and Harvey to get you the compensation you deserve. The Peyton Law Firm, online at PeytonLawFirm.com. It can be difficult staying up to date with current events when every day brings something new. ABC Radio brings the top stories from around the globe to you. In the 30-minute headline show, World News This Week, join Chuck Severstein and the award-winning ABC Radio News team Sunday nights at 9.06 for a review of the week's top news stories from home and abroad. It's ABC World News This Week, Sunday evenings at 9.06 on The Voice of Charleston, 104.5, 96.5, and 580 WCHS. Hey, I'm Andy. If you don't know me, it's probably because I'm not famous. But I did start a men's grooming company called Harry's. The idea for Harry's came out of a frustrating experience I had buying razor blades. Most brands were overpriced, overdesigned, and out of touch. At Harry's, our approach is simple. Here's our secret. We make sharp, durable blades and sell them at honest prices for as low as $2 each. We care about quality so much that we do some crazy things, like buy a world-class German blade factory. Obsessing over every detail means we're confident in offering a 100% quality guarantee. Millions of guys have already made the switch to Harry's, so thank you if you're one of them. And if you're not, we hope you give us a try with this special offer. Get a Harry starter set with a five-blade razor, weighted handle, shave gel, and a travel cover. All for just three bucks, plus free shipping. Just go to harrys.com and enter 4343 at checkout. That's harrys.com, code 4343. Enjoy. 
West Virginia Outdoors with Chris Lawrence Saturday at 7 a.m. Sunday at 5 p.m. We're talking about the research that's happening on the Cooper's Rock State Forest, another part of West Virginia, where they're trying to uh, get a handle on the rattlesnakes in West Virginia. Frank, I know in the summertime our engineers are forevermore dealing with uh, rattlesnakes at a lot of our remote transmitter sites in the company, particularly down here in Kanawha County. And... I've always I've always wondered have snakes been able to to get along with one another because sometimes they'll open up the um, the, the transmitter and and the uh, the generator area and I've they, I've got pictures of a black snake a rattlesnake and a copperhead all three lying together within that confined space so they do seem to tolerate one another. Another uh, generally uh, uh, in an area like uh, your transmitter uh, t- stations. Uh, that's probably a good, uh, a good temperature in the summer, uh, cooler when it's real hot and warmer when it's real, a little bit cooler. So that's why you might see a few of those snakes together in that same area. Not that they're traveling together, they just, ha- they just happen to be uh, around that area, and that's a good uh, uh, temperature for them. But I've always heard, and, and this might be a myth that needs cleared up, that, that, uh, that a black snake won't tolerate a, a copperhead in a certain area. Sorry, I missed that one. Uh, my I, phone just went off. Oh, I said it, I've always heard the the tale that the the black snake will run off the copperhead or actually kill it. They will will run them out of their territory. Is there any truth to that? No, uh, we find the black uh, and the one black snake that might do some of that is a black racer, but generally not. We find the black racers and the black rat snakes um, uh, all the time when we're out looking at the rat in the same area that we find our rattlesnakes. I, uh, I've also talked to uh, Ken Oxenrider about this, and I, I guess there are some concerns about uh, diseases that can infect, infect uh, timber rattlers that they're they're trying to figure out if some of that is present in West Virginia. Right, snake uh, fungal disease, and we look at all the snakes we catch to see if they have any uh, sores on them, any lesions on them that would indicate that. And uh, the uh, Marshall and DNR study that's going on now uh, they actually swab uh, swab the snake's head uh, for uh, analysis later to see if there is any uh, type of uh, uh, pathogens. And I think the uh, the agency also has a um, a place that you can report if you do encounter a snake. They'd like to see a picture of it if you can get one and and just tell where you saw it anywhere in West Virginia, right? Uh, yes, uh, they've got a database that they started a year or so ago, and uh, so when somebody sees it, they can report it online and that'll give a, another indication of how widespread they are in the state and uh, hopefully show uh, up uh, where we're that snakes are being seen in areas we hadn't heard of mm-hmm. uh, sort of like up at Cooper's Rock where we heard about them but not to the order that we're seeing them all right uh, we got about a minute to go uh, anything else to add before I cut you loose nope uh, just uh, uh, tell, uh, let people know that uh, uh, to let us know when they see the snakes, uh, that uh, they are all over the place, and they are pretty benign. Uh, so we haven't any problems with people getting bit uh, or anything like that. And uh, So it's just neat. They're part of our system, and uh, we should enjoy them. Frank, it's always a pleasure, and you always have a standing invitation to come back on here, my friend, and talk about snakes or fishing or anything at any time, buddy. You have a good one. 
Okay, thanks, Chris. See you later. Frank Jernasek there, longtime friend of the show and snake enthusiast, as you can tell. Well, it's going to wrap up today's edition. Y'all have a great week, and we'll talk to you next Saturday right here in the West Virginia Outdoors. 580 WCHSAM, 96.5 FM Charleston, and 104.5 FM Cross Lanes, a West Virginia Radio Corporation station. It's 8 o'clock. From ABC News, I'm Michelle Franzen. A U.S. District Judge ruling Friday that the Justice Department must hand over grand jury testimony from Special Counsel Robert Mueller's Russia investigation.